good, my brother. How's everything with you? Things are a bit of a mixed bag for me right now. Let me start with some great news. Uh, earlier right. today, one of our great sponsors over at the Village Grocery in Waitsfield brought me what they have uh, aptly named the Brady Farkas Sub. So I had a great lunch mm -hmm. today, the Brady Farkas Sub, turkey, ham, roast uh, beef, lettuce, uh, tomato, American cheese, Russian dressing. It is a hearty sub. I am curious, right. if you had a Freddie Coleman sub, what would be on it? It'd be turkey, chicken, provolone, lettuce, tomato, oil and vinegar, and a little balsamic. Would it be heated? Is this a hot sub or a cold sub? Oh, either or. I'm equal oh. opportunity. It can be cold <laughs> or hot. As long as it's food and it's good and it's healthy and hearty, I'm good with whatever it comes out, whether it's hot or warm, hot or cold. Sounds pretty good to me. The, the, the negative in this, though, is that it's such a big sandwich, I couldn't mm -hmm. eat it in a normal way. I'm experiencing for the first time in my life lock uh -huh. jaw in which like uh -huh. the hinge in the back of my mouth doesn't want to open up all the way so i couldn't eat the sandwich in the way that i like to eat it i actually had to take it in half and eat it you know eat it split in half which was very odd have you ever had this phenomenon before oh i've had it happen to me where you remember the old sandwiches they used to call it dagwood that was piled so yes. high with lettuce and tomato from the old comic strip character i tried to eat that in one bite one time and i said yeah this is not going to end well and I had the same sensation at the back of my jaw that you did. So what I've learned in those situations, Brady, if you cut it in fours and eat a piecemeal that way, you <laughs> save your jaw and you save your taste buds. Yeah, I mean, seriously, this is this is uh, this is uncomfortable here. And, you know, now I have to talk for three hours straight today. So <laughs> I'm trying to, to play my way through it. But, hey, let's get to the uh, let's get to the topics at hand here. So. Let me fill you in. I know you've been following, but let me fill it in anyways. So the UVM men's basketball team has taken on Binghamton tonight. And with a win tonight, they can wrap up the America East Conference regular season title. They can wrap up uh -huh. the number one seed in the conference tournament. But by and large, I find that most fans seem largely uninterested in this team. And the refrain is like, hey, we've been there. We've done that. We've seen this team get to the tournament. Now we want them to win in the tournament. And I admit I am guilty of wanting the program to make the, of to I want the program to take the next step, but it's bumming sure. me out that this that people have basically written off this season because they started out one and five and they're going to end up with a 15 C and therefore they probably won't win the tournament and people have kind of written them off, Freddie. Well, you know what it happens when you have those kind of expectations and the kind of culture that's been built within that program. You get people who think they're inside the program or know it's best for the program, what they believe is going to be best for the program. And the reason I say that is you have to understand exactly where you are when it comes to Vermont basketball, that you play in a mid-major league, that's going to be a one-big league. It is going to be very, very special to make the NCAA tournament out of the one-bid league, no matter if you do it as a great Cinderella run or if you're the champion that won in the regular season. So I think people are trying to make Vermont basketball, not saying you can't make it bigger than it is, that you should not have expectations, but you got to understand your lane. Vermont's not playing in the A-10. They're not playing in the Big East. They're playing in the America East Conference, in which more often than not, you might get a 14th seed, 13th seed at best. And if you win one game in the NCAA tournament, that sets the program for at least four or five years because that's a big recruiting tool that you can use. So I don't get the whole thing in terms of not being interested in the team. Would you rather be Vermont basketball or would you rather be Binghamton basketball, mm -hmm. which has never been the NCAA tournament? So I think you have to understand exactly and put things in perspective what the honesty is about your basketball team and how blessed you should feel and fortunate to be able to feel that you should have a program you can support that has been a consistent champion in the America East. 
Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. That game's 7 o'clock tonight at Patrick Jim. And Freddie's with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Let's stick with basketball, but let's move to the Celtics. Celtics have the best record in the NBA right now coming out of the All-Star break. I saw earlier today on ESPN Stephen A. Smith say that Jason Tatum has the third most pressure in the NBA to win a title. I, I don't do a whole lot of list stuff, so I'm not going to ask you who's ahead of him or behind him. But I am curious. Yeah. I hadn't thought much about Jason Tatum having a lot of pressure on him. How much pressure do you think Tatum has to deliver a title? Well, there's always going to be pressure when you're part of that franchise, number one. Number two, when you have the pedigree and the equity that Jason Tatum has been able to build up and also going back to last year where they had a 2-1 series lead against the Golden State Warriors and couldn't finish the job. And I think a lot of people don't give enough credit to Golden State what they were able to do instead of what the Boston Celtics did not do and that Golden State had a lot to do with it. So there's going to be an enormous amount of pressure on him. For my money, I think the guy that has the most pressure is going to be Nikola Jokic mm-hmm. of the Denver Nuggets because for the first time in his NBA life and for the first time in the Nuggets' life, they're not the hunter, Brady. They're going to be the hunted. And I can't wait to see how they handle that because it's one thing to be on the come up. But when you're there and people are expecting or believe that you can't be taken down, that means that that person being Nikola Jokic, not just being an MVP guy in the regular season, can you be an MVP in the playoffs? But, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of pressure on Jason Tatum because of where he plays, what he's been able to do, and what happened last year. But I think you can use so many different levels with that word pressure, and you can attach that to him. You can attach that to Giannis in Milwaukee, Joel Embiid in Philadelphia, LeBron James of the Lakers. There are plenty of guys out there that I believe are in that same kind of box when it comes to that. If you don't get it done, everybody's going to wonder what you didn't do to make sure your team could get it done. Jalen Brown said he didn't really enjoy the All-Star game. He called it a glorified layup line. Why do you think the uh, the game, the All-Star game, has devolved into something that's almost unwatchable? That is a really great question, Brady, because I was thinking about that the other day because you used to look forward, not just the All-Star weekend for the games and the festivities before the All-Star game, but you know the All-Star game was going to be really, really competitive and it was going to be an outstanding game and God's going to get after it. I think you have so many, so much money out there, so much power out there with players that they don't feel the need to go out there and expend themselves. And what if they get injured? What if they get hurt, not able to be there for their teams in the playoffs? They're really just going to dial it back, and it's going to be a glorified layup line. And until the NBA and the players come together and say, what can we do to make it a little bit more of a competitive nature, you're going to have 184 to 175 games that we saw this previous All-Star game and another previous All-Star games. Not trying to diminish what Jason Tatum did. You score 55 points against air. I'm going to give you a lot of credit. <laughs> But it shouldn't be like that in an all-star game where everybody knows what's going to happen and what's not going to happen, and nobody wants to tune into that nonsense. I don't know if there's any way to fix that for the NBA, but there's got to be a way to make sure the all-star game is going to matter and be a lot better than what we've seen in the last seven to eight years when nobody really cares about it. I mean, the NBA has tried so many things, right? They've, they've gotten rid of the East and West. They've got the captain's things. They've got the draft. They've got new jerseys. All this stuff is great. But the game itself, the actual basketball, is the thing that has not gotten better. Yeah, and you know what? This has to come from the players because the boys to say, hey, guys, we go out there, play hard, and not to the point where you're playing like it's a playoff game, but let's not make it look like this. Let's at least make the attempt to guard somebody. But who is going to be that voice that's going to have the older players, the younger players pay attention and say, yeah, for one night, why can't we do this? Because then we got another three, four days to rest up before the season kicks off again on Thursday. I don't know who has to be that voice of reason or that voice of leadership, but it has to come from the players. It can't come from Adam Silver, the commissioner. It can't come from the coaches. It can't come from the GMs. That has to come from the players, and right now it seems that that's not going to happen in the NBA. 
Freddie, let's move over to the Patriots, who obviously are in off-season mode. They certainly need help at wide receiver and just in general getting playmakers. Well, Pro Football Focus dropped a possible trade, saying that acquiring team would have to give up a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick for Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. If you're the Pats, you've got pick number 14 in the first round. Is that a trade that you would make? I would make that trade, even though I know the Bengals are not going to trade him because that's a bad boy. There. He's the perfect Robin to the Batman that is DeMar Chase with the Cincinnati Bengals. But if that kind of offer is on the table, if you're the Patriots, you have to have in mind that you got to do for your quarterback what Philadelphia did for their quarterback. They trusted and believed in Jalen Hurts, and what did they do? They went out and got A.J. Brown to go Devontae Smith and those guys, and look what happened with the Philadelphia Eagles. Same thing to Kansas City Chiefs. They able to Tyree Kill, but they got to get a Juju Smith-Schuster and a Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and look what they were able to do with Patrick Mahomes is more of a point guard. And the same thing with Buffalo with Josh Allen. They went out and got a Stephon Diggs, and look how much Josh Allen has been a better quarterback. If you believe that Mac Jones is your guy, and you bring in Bill O'Brien to make sure that you don't have that mess that happened last year, then you got to go and get him somebody on the outside, and that somebody can't come from the draft. And if somebody like T. Higgins is out there, it would be in your best interest to not just say, we got to hoard onto these fourth and fifth round picks. Those are gold coins. No, more than ever before, you got to make sure your quarterback has a fighting chance that a guy on the outside can threaten defense to make it better for everybody else, even though he's your go to guy. If you're not going to do that, you think you can out scheme people in modern football, you're going to be nine and eight. 8-9, and nine, and not a championship team ever again if you continue to believe in that philosophy in New England. You know, it's being reported that Giants quarterback Daniel Jones is looking for $45 million a year. If you're the Patriots and you're thinking ahead to Mac Jones, when you hear $45 million a year for Daniel Jones, i got to imagine you're pretty nervous about where this is going to go with your own quarterback. Oh, absolutely, because they don't like to pay people, and for 20 years they didn't have to worry about that with the quarterback, Tom Brady, who always made sure that, all right, I know I'm going to get a lot of money, but make sure there's going to be money available to keep this thing intact with the Patriots. He always had that approach because that was ingrained in him by Bill Belichick in that Patriot way. But now this is a new kind of deal. This is a new day and age in the the NFL where that's going to be the going market for quarterbacks. Actually, when the salary cap is going up to close to 200 year per team, and when all the YouTube TV money comes in from the New Deal Sunday ticket and the Apple TV money and the network money, we could have a salary cap, Brady, in 2024 and 2025 that could be north of $200 per team in the NFL. You can't just say, okay, we're going to keep this because everybody has a ceiling and a floor in the NFL when it comes to the salary cap. And if you're not putting that kind of money to or to invest in playmakers, then you're going to be – that's why the New York Jets so hell-bent on trying to get a guy like Derek Carr because – way and oh by the way they got weapons on the outside led by Garrett Wilson wide receiver and when Brees Hall comes back at running back they have offensive playmakers if you look at the Patriots you get about well we got to pay our quarterback a lot of money if that's going to be your going to be a potential not saying Mac Jones potential elite quarterback but if a guy that's going to keep better and better and better and you're going to let that get in the way of that then you know you get what you get if you're doing the Patriots and you're going to continue to be a step and a step behind everybody else especially in a loaded AFC. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Freddie, you are the best. Uh, we will talk in seven days. Always a pleasure, Brady. And enjoy that sandwich, but make sure you eat it over a day <laughs> by day and not try to eat it in one sitting. Uh, I already ate it in one sitting. It was it was, it was, was a little <laughs> tough to do it, but I ate it. <laughs> so. You get the sandwich, take your time because you got plenty of time to eat it. <laughs>